0: Welcome to the Work Life Brilliance podcast with executive coach and best-selling author, Denise Renee Green. Denise fills each episode with humor, compassion, knowledge, and pragmatism to help you transform your life. Listen in and learn how you can tame your brain, lower your stress, and become the person you were born to be. Hello, hello, amazing, beautiful people. This is the Work Life Brilliance Podcast, and I am your host, Denise Green, and I am so excited to have you with me today. I'm always excited to have you with me today, Um, and this day particularly so because I have a topic that has the potential to decrease your level of pain and increase your level of peace and joy exponentially, immediately. And I don't know about you, but I think the world could use a whole lot less pain starting with you. This week and last week, I had the amazing experience of kicking off two different group coaching groups. And these are groups in corporate America, and these are extremely successful, smart, interesting people that you would never know are walking around in pain, just like we all are. And in particular, the people who are in the most pain are the ones who have the most resentment. The ones who are wishing everybody else would change and bend to their preferences. And that is so unnecessary. So I'm looking forward to working with them, and I'm looking forward to sharing the insights that I had from working with them, and that I've actually had for a long time. It's just I needed to um, format them in a way that I could communicate in a podcast, which I've done, and I'm so excited. All right, so this podcast is, as you've guessed, about forgiveness and resentment, the flip side of forgiveness. So many people misunderstand forgiveness. They think it's about letting somebody off the hook. Well, in fact, it has nothing to do with the other person. And it certainly is not about agreeing that somebody's behavior was okay. Uh, I love Fred Luskin's work. He runs the Forgiveness Project at Stanford University, and he wrote a great book called Forgive for Good. And some of my insights come from him. And he offers this example that if your husband or wife owes you child support, you can forgive them and you can still go back in front of a judge and say they aren't paying their child support. You can just do it without the load. If at work, your boss harasses you, you can forgive that person and still go to HR and file a claim. It's about what you're carrying with you when you think about their behavior and it is not cozying up to somebody you do not now have to be this person's friend just because you forgave them you can have a family member whom you resent and whom you still don't visit on the holidays it's just about doing it without the load forgiveness is not agreement and forgiveness is not justice So many of us confuse the two and make us feel like if we drop the forgiveness, we are somehow letting somebody off the hook and doing ourselves an injustice. That is not the case. What it does mean is that you are clearing your heart of the resentment. You are no longer blaming them for any problems in your life. You are actively choosing to release the bitterness that you have created in yourself. They did not create the bitterness in yourself. Your thoughts about them and about the situation created the bitterness. So I looked up the definition in Webster's, and they tell us that forgiveness is to cease to feel resentment against an offender. And they put offender in parentheses, and I would put it in air quotes, we perceive a person as offending us when I can assure you the person on the other end probably does not think that they offended you. In fact, they might think you offended them. The other definition is to give up resentment or a claim to requital. For example, to forgive an insult. So both of these definitions tell us that we have to take an action. We have to take an action to cease to feel the resentment, to give up the resentment. And that action is forgiveness. So let's talk a little bit about why this is so hard besides the, reason, besides the reasons I gave about us misdefining what forgiveness actually is. There is actually a biological reason that I learned when I was researching this from Stephen Stosny, who wrote The anger, of, uh, anger in the Age of Entitlement. And I don't know if you've noticed this, but I have noticed in my own life that it is really hard to shake off resentment, even when you don't like carrying it around. And one of the reasons, Dr. Stosny says, is that unlike anger, or rage, resentment rarely goes away on its own because resentment doesn't produce enough adrenaline for the amphetamine crash that stronger forms of anger have on us. So if you think of the last time you were in a rage or you were really angry, it feels like an explosion, and then it loses its energy, it dies down, and at the end, you may feel exhausted embarrassed even, a little regretful, like I can't believe I exploded on my boss like that. But resentment, unlike anger and rage, you can stay resentful for years. It's like a slow burn where rage is like an oil fire that goes out when it loses fuel. Resentment just keeps going on and on and on. So we have to consciously make a decision to interrupt it and dropped it rather than wait for it to subside. And all of this takes energy. So why don't we drop it? Well, remember from earlier episodes, your brain doesn't like you to consume energy. Your brain wants you to conserve energy in case you need to run from an opponent or something that's going to eat you on the savanna. Your brain is very, very, very confused. It's okay with you simmering in resentment all the time, even though it's going to have negative effects on you. Because it likes it. It's easy. It doesn't require you to change. You just get to hope that everybody else will change. And remember, your brain hates change because it consumes so much energy. But the costs of resentment are huge. Every day that you choose to hold on to the pain is another day you and everybody around you has to live with that decision and feel its consequences. And believe me, other people are going to notice. Your resentment becomes like a mood that affects how you relate to others, how you trust people, what you talk about with people. I have known people in my life who tried to let resentment fortify them somehow against hurt against something that happened to them long ago. And by the way, this is not a good coping strategy because it's like building a barbed wire wall around your heart and around your energy. And it leaves very little room for for vulnerability and empathy, both of which are necessary if you are going to live a productive life as an adult Blame then becomes your habit. And blame and resentment sap our energy and our potential. And I don't know about you, but I do not have enough energy to dole some out to resentment. And I certainly don't want to have any more health crises than I've already had in my life. But resentment will affect your health. Psychologist Dr. Karsten Roche says that when harbored for a long time, bitterness can affect metabolism, immune response, organ function, and cause physical disease. The bottom line is, you are not hurting the target of your resentment. You are only hurting yourself. One of the phrases we have for talking about resentment is holding a grudge. And I was thinking about this phrase holding a grudge. I don't know about you, but I think even the word grudge sounds disgusting. It's like a muddy, lumpy, heavy blob that we found sometime in the past and we still carry it around with us. It's also stinky. I think I think the grudge is stinky too. We carry it around hoping that someday we can just smear it in the face of the so-called villain that we'll run into someday. We bring it to work, we bring it shopping, we bring it to the gym, we bring it out with friends. How dumb is this? This is such a dumb life strategy. So what do you think it does to your reputation and relationships when you bring, the, when you bring around the grudge? And maybe you're okay uh, and you can be quiet about it. Maybe you don't complain about the grudge. You just keep it under your coat and you don't talk about it. It's still weighing you down. When we keep the grudge... We are living in the past instead of making the most of the present. We are constantly retelling a story about how we were the victim and another person was the villain. And you know what? We're never going to let that happen. And the way we're going to keep that from happening is holding this grudge around. But guess what? We can drop the grudge. We can rewrite the story so that we are the hero instead of the victim and so that nobody is the villain. They're all just characters playing out scenes in their assigned roles. Because from their perspective, your so-called offender, you're probably the villain. If they even think about this, they probably more than likely don't even think about this incident. You, on the other hand, are carrying it around for them. I constantly tell people forgiveness is a selfish act. It has nothing to do with anybody else. It is not for anybody else. It is completely for you. It frees you from a prison that you have created and locked yourself into. When we don't forgive, our minds, our bodies, and our lives are disrupted. Why would we give so much power to the grudge? The offender certainly isn't harmed. Like I said, they may not even know how you feel. You're just carrying around the stinky, lumpy grudge. But what do you do? So let's say I have convinced you that it is time to let go. The first thing you have to do is decide. Remember the definition is it's about a choice. You have to decide it is time to let go. Now that doesn't necessarily mean that it's easy to just put down the pack of grudge and walk away from it. You're going to need to notice and then upgrade the narrative, the thoughts that you have about the situation. So if you want to go back and listen to the thought upgrade episode, the steer your thoughts episode, that will help a lot, but I'll walk you through it. First thing you need to do is write the situation out factually. What actually happened. Don't add any adjectives. Don't add any anything subjective or any opinion. Just write the facts of the situation. So if we go back to the earlier incident, um, my boss touched me or said something to me in a way that I didn't like. Okay, that's factual. Uh, my partner, is, my former spouse is three months late with the alimony check. That's not really a true situation for myself, but um, some people might face that. Okay, that is factual. Not that somebody's a deadbeat, um, not that somebody was inappropriate even. I mean, we say all the time that things are inappropriate. Yes, they are inappropriate to you, but that is a subjective opinion. So write it down factually, and then note what you thought about the situation that created pain for you? What were all the thoughts that you had? And really notice the ones that are blaming thoughts. And you can always tell blaming thoughts because they put the power in somebody else's hands and they often contain the word word should. He shouldn't have. He should have paid on time. He shouldn't have said that to me. Blah, 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 should, should, should. Notice your shoulds. Then notice what you can take responsibility for. Because if you're going to stop being the victim, you have to notice what your role was in the situation. How did you contribute to it, even if it was your thoughts? What can you genuinely own in the situation so you stop being a victim? What could you have done differently that might have changed the outcome? Next, we're done living in the past. This assignment was about living in the past. Now we're going to focus on the present and feeling peace. So you're going to want to go back and decide what do you need to think and believe about the situation in order to feel peace. And it could be as simple as, it's not personal. I don't know what yours is going to be, but you're going to need to have something It may be just that it's not worth it for me to care about this anymore. I learned a lot from it. I'm going to take that learning into my future. Whatever works for you, come up with some thought that gives you a feeling of peace. And then your brain is going to constantly take you back into the past. That's okay. When it does, just acknowledge them for a moment and bring yourself gently back into the present. Some people find it easier to actually have a little cue or a phrase that they say, that was the past, and now I'm focused on my own happiness and peace. I'm not going to let it bother me anymore. Or, oh, I'm noticing the silly, stinky, heavy grudge, and I'm going to put that back down. I don't need that. Or, there's my silly brain again, trying to take me into the past, trying to keep me from being my best person, because that takes courage and my brain is afraid. My brain just wants to keep me safe. Whatever works for you, you're going to need to repeat your thought upgrade, your cue, until it becomes a stronger neural pathway than the resentment thought. And then finally, you'll notice that you've dropped the bag of stinky, heavy grudge. You don't feel it anymore. You feel lighter, you feel more in control. And it might help to remember that there are probably people out there resenting you. Yes, probably you have done something in your life to upset somebody, or something in your life that you didn't intentionally mean to upset somebody. Even if you did, they chose to be upset in the situation. I'm thinking back to uh, when I was preschool. I think I was preschool. I don't know. I was very young in an aftercare program. And many years later, I found out that a girl was holding resentment against me because I told everybody there was no Santa. Yes, I was evil. I was the villain. But guess what? I wasn't trying to be the villain. I was just Mrs. Smarty Pants trying to raise everybody's level of awareness of what was going on in the world and the injustice about their parents lying to them. See? No need to be resentful of me for that. Hopefully she's given that up. I hope she's not carrying a stinky grudge about that. And then I'm thinking about my senior year of high school when I was so viciously bullied. And I could resent those people, but clearly that is not going to do me any good whatsoever. And you know what I often think about that? One, it's a gift. It helped me be more empathetic. Two, I'm so glad it was my senior year and not my sophomore or junior, and I could just get out and get away from there. Uh, And three, I often think this, if I hadn't been the one bullied, I might have been the bullier. I mean, peer pressure is very strong, people, and I just kept thinking, you know what, I would rather be on this end of it, and if I have a child, which I do now, God forbid she would ever become a bully, and I don't think that she has even a chance of that happening. Um, I know I don't want her to be bullied, but it could happen, and I'd rather that than be on the giving end of it, which would cause tremendous guilt if you're a good human being with a conscience. So I'm going to give you Fred Luskin's definition. Again, the author of Forgive for Good. He calls it, Forgiveness is the feeling of peace that emerges as you take your hurt less personally, take responsibility for how you feel, and become a hero instead of a victim in the story you tell. I love that. Now, a true hero does not hold grudges. He respects his adversary, has battles to fight as well. He doesn't take it personally. And whatever the outcome of the battle, the hero learns from it, walks away from the event, living in the present and planning for the future. And when things go wrong, the hero doesn't beat himself up. He studies, he learns, he forgives himself if he notices he's making himself a villain or a victim. He takes 100% ownership of his contribution. And on the battlefield, can you imagine if the hero was not living in the present? He'd be so easy to defeat, so easy to throw off balance. In the workplace, what happens if you're not living in the present? You make mistakes. You miss things. You do embarrassing things that you regret. You may say something that you cannot take back, that will show up in your bonus or your performance review, or you may even lose your job. So we need to be the hero and we need to live in the present. And when you do notice that you are resenting somebody and carrying around a grudge, you need to also forgive yourself. You can thank your brain for trying to keep you safe, safe from becoming an emotional adult who doesn't blame others or circumstances in your life, And you will be challenged on this again and again and again. Unless you're working with people just like you, you are going to constantly be triggered and constantly want to make other people into villains. But everybody at work has different priorities than you. So invariably, you are going to disappoint somebody and they are going to disappoint you. How you react is up to you. Resentment is easy. And your brain will want to take you there all the time. So you're going to need to practice. You're going to have determination. Because forgiveness and taking on the hero role takes heart. And it takes courage. But the choice is yours. Hero and peace or victim and resentment. And remember what Nelson Mandela said about resentment. It's like drinking poison and expecting it will kill your enemies. Put that way, it sounds very, very silly. But our brains are silly. They are not logical. So I hope I have convinced you to drop the stinky grudge. And I hope you will forgive yourself in this process and be patient with yourself and keep at it until you notice... The prison doors open and you feel a new lightness. I hope you can imagine just how much this is going to free you up and how much more approachable you will be, how much more joyful and peaceful you will be, and how you can finally take steps to step toward your potential. I hope you enjoyed this podcast. I have enjoyed um, experiencing it with you. And if you want to enjoy more time with me, more live group coaching, more video lessons, tools, all of my best tools, all online, you must check out the Work Life Brilliance Academy. I am so excited about this. It's going to help me fulfill my dream of helping as many people as I can, as efficiently as I can. I know how busy you are, and I've designed this just for you. And you can find more about it at brillianceinc.com. And hopefully by the time this podcast is over, the website will be up uh, WLB academy That's WorkLife Brilliance Academy, WLBAcademy.com. We are taking applications. And until then, I look forward to hearing from you and seeing you in the next episode. Okay, I know I won't see you, but I'm going to feel like I'm there with you. And I hope you feel like I'm there with you as well. Go and have a beautiful, beautiful day and uh, forgive someone. You could start with the guy who cuts in front of you on the freeway. All right. Much love and light to you. Thanks for listening to Work Life Brilliance. If you like what you heard, the best compliment you can give us is to share this podcast with a friend and be sure to give us some stars and a favorable review at iTunes.